chapter 3, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. For everything under God's heaven, there's a time and a purpose. Not everything is always good, and not everything is always rosy. God has a time and a purpose for everything. For your hardships, for your trial, for your laughter, for your crying, Everything is for God's purpose, not your purpose, for God's purpose. Everything. Now, whether you adhere to that or not is up to you. Whether you hearken unto the voice of the Lord or not is unto you. You can go ahead and do it your own way, and that's fine. Be, be ready for the consequences. Everything has a purpose according to God's will. Everything. You are here because God has a purpose for your life. Amen? Everything. God's word will not return void unto him. What God has said, what God has spoken, it shall be accomplished. It shall be done. Amen? And I will give you a perfect example of this. A perfect example. When God speaks a word, talking about Bible prophecy this morning a little bit, and that's not where we're going here today. We're going to go in a different direction. But I want to give you this. When God speaks a word concerning you, concerning prophecy, whatever it is, when it is a direct word from the word of the Lord, not somebody speaking out of kindness, not speaking out of their move by their feelings, not speaking from emotion, but when it is a divine word of the Lord. Many people will give people words, but they're given from emotion. They're given from, uh, there's something happening in the church, and they want me to speak, and I don't know what to speak, but I'm going to speak anyway. And, and when it is a divine, you understand what I'm saying? People are driven by emotion, and they'll say, thus saith the Lord, and it ain't no more than thus saith the Lord than when my dog was speaking to me. Does your dog ever talk to you? My dog has never talked to me, but Marcy's dog talks to her all the time. Okay? Yeah, we'll come back to that another time. But when it's thus saith the Lord, it shall come about. If you look over at Luke chapter 19, no, excuse me, Luke chapter 9, And this will have a little bit to do with prophecy, but not much. But I want to bring you to this. When it's thus saith the Lord. Luke chapter 9. And you will also find this, I believe, in Matthew chapter 16, if I'm not mistaken. Luke chapter 9, verse 27. And if you go back up to 23, you'll see where Jesus is telling me uh, in verse 23, it says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And if you skip down to verse 27, this is where we're going to look at real quickly. And this is not exactly where we're going today, but I want you to have an understanding about what God's word says and what God means when God speaks. Amen. It says, But I tell you truly, or I tell you the truth, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. 
Now, the people standing there with Jesus and the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about. Some believed that there would be some alive that would still be alive when Jesus returned. Amen? But they would, there would some still be, you know, some of them would still be left alive until Jesus came back to earth. Amen? But that's not what Jesus was telling them. He said, there'll be some standing here that shall not see death until they see the kingdom of God first. What was he talking about? Go to Revelation chapter 1. This is how God fulfills his word. Revelation chapter 1. I want you to have an understanding. God's word is alive, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When God's word is spoken, amen, you best hearken unto the spoken word of God. Angels hearken at the spoken word of God. You shall do no less. Hearken at the spoken word of God. When God's word is, is spoken, you need to listen to what is, it doesn't matter if it's coming from me, doesn't matter if it's coming from the donkey you're riding and you're trying to get through a mountainside and that donkey stops, amen, and, and you start beating that donkey and the donkey opens its mouth and says, why in your world you're beating me? And if you don't know that story, get with me later and I'll, I'll finish it for you. But you need to hearken unto the voice of of the living God. God said, Jesus told his disciples that there's going to be some of you that shall not taste death till you see the kingdom of God. And Jesus, all the disciples up to that point, now we're looking, they were probably all, I'm assuming, all around the age of Jesus. Jesus died, he began his ministry at the age of 30, 30 and a half, died at the age of 33, 33 and a half, somewhere in there. His ministry was roughly three years. He began his ministry at 30 years old. There's a reason why he began his ministry at 30 years of age, amen. It goes back to that's when the priest could become a priest, basically, at the age of 30, amen. There's reasons for what God does. I'm telling you. Just as there's a time for everything, there's reasons for what God does. There's a reason why God says, enter my, enter my presence with praise. Enter my courts with praise, my, my gates with thanksgiving. Amen. There's a reason why God gave us. There's a reason why over in Matthew, God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. There's a reason for it. It's not a suggestion. It's not a you should. It's seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things shall be added unto you. Amen. We get things out of order. We're seeking the other things, and we put God way down the list, and we're wondering why our life is out of order. There's a order to what God does. Now you can do it however you want to do it. God doesn't force you. God still loves you. Talking about grace, God still loves you. But there's, if there was not an order in, of things, why does God tell us to seek the kingdom of God first? That's the first thing. Seek ye the first the kingdom of God. And all these other things shall be added. There is an order to things. Back to topic here. Jesus told his disciples when those gathered, said there's going to be some of you still standing here that won't taste death until you, they see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> back to my point, they were all probably, I'm assuming, around that same age of Jesus, around the early 30s, roughly, I would assume, mid-30s, some maybe a little younger, some a little older. I'm assuming they were probably all around that same age group. That would be my assessment. Now, we know that Peter, church history teaches us all the disciples were killed. We read in the book itself where James was killed with the sword. John's brother James was killed with the sword. Church history teaches us that Peter was crucified, I can't remember the city right off the top of my head, but it was crucified upside down. 
speaking that I am not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. Now, that's church history. That's not coming out of here. That's church history. Church history tells us that many of the disciples, well, all of the disciples, there was, I don't remember if it was Philip or which one, was t tied between four horses and literally pulled apart. <clears throat> all of them gave their life except one. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This is important, though. All of them died, were, were martyred. Read the book of Martyrs. Read the book of Martyrs, and you will, you will get an understanding of what I'm talking about here. But I'm talking about God's word being fulfilled. <clears throat> I said, there's going to be some standing here that shall not taste death till they first see the kingdom of God. Sixty-something years later, 60, roughly 60 years later, we roll ahead in time. 60 years, roughly 60 years pass. Here's John sitting on the Isle of Patmos. Church history once again teaches us that the Romans tried to boil John in a vat of oil. Now that's church history. Was not able to accomplish that. John, if you shut up, if you finally shut up, it'll be all good. Nope, not going to shut up. Well, what are we going to do with him? Exile him to a prison island over there on this prison called Patmos. Put him on the prison island of Patmos, where at least if he won't shut up, the only people he's going to have to talk to are the other prisoners on Patmos. And he will never again be able to speak in a public setting. Right? So we find John on the Isle of Patmos. Some 60 years since that word came from Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. All right. Now if you read on through there you'll see now I want to skip over. I want to skip over to verse 7. Verse 7, Revelation verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8, Jesus is speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9. Okay. Verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom of, and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. They had tried everything within their power, even tried to kill John, to shut him up, and John, John declared, I will not be silent and I will not shut up. And so they said, put him over there on Patmos and leave him there till he dies. Leave him there till he dies. John says, I'm on the Isle of Patmos. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Then I turned, verse 12, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. I want to stop right there. You just seen the words of Jesus being fulfilled. Jesus said that there's going to be some of you left here 
that won't see death until you first see the kingdom of God. Glory to God, there was one day that John was exiled to this island and he was on the, on the Lord's day there and he said he was in the spirit and suddenly he heard a voice calling unto him and the next thing he knew, he was seeing the kingdom of heaven revealed before his very eyes. Listen, that ought to have somebody shouting and praising God because 60 years later, the word that Jesus spoke was fulfilled that there won't be, there'll be some of you here that won't see death until you first see the kingdom of God. John seen the kingdom of God revealed on the Lord's day as he was in the spirit, amen. And he, I don't know when John passed right after that, but I would probably assume it wasn't long after God, uh, John seen the kingdom of heaven that the Lord says, John, now it's time. Amen. My word has been fulfilled. My word shall not return void unto me, but my word shall accomplish that that it set out to accomplish. This morning I'm telling you, amen, don't lose heart and don't lose hope this morning. Amen. Because God's word is sure. Amen. I pray that it not take 60 years for some of us amen but I assure you if God has spoken unto you it shall be done amen 60 years passed John's thinking I'm the last one surely he shall return Our problem is we don't fully comprehend when the word is given unto us. We don't fully comprehend what God is speaking. Amen. I don't know if John fully understood, amen, that when Jesus spoke those words, what exactly would take place. But 60 years later, amen, he was seeing the kingdom of heaven open up before his very eyes. And he said, come on up here, John. I want to show you some things. I want to show you what's going to take place. And John seen the whole thing played out before his very eyes of what was going to take place. Things that would happen on the earth. Amen. Now, I told you all get ready. I gave everybody fair warning. So hold on. I'm just now getting started. Now go over to 2 Kings. God has a way of getting your need met. God has a way of getting your need met. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstances are, if you will acknowledge the Lord, if you will seek ye first the kingdom of God, God has a way of getting your need met. Amen. Uh, I encourage everyone to be praying for what's going on over in Israel. Amen. Israel, I believe, is God's time clock. And when Israel was birthed to being a nation, it uh, initiated, if you will, a countdown. And that countdown is the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. You will not see one thing not be fulfilled in the word of God, but everything shall come to pass as it is written. Amen. You might not fully comprehend it now, just as I don't believe John fully comprehended. How am I going to see, Jesus, you're going to come back now. I'm 90-something years old. Jesus, are you coming back now? No, John, that's not, not, that's not how I'm going to fulfill my word. I, I'm, not, I'm not coming down to where you're at. I'm bringing you to where I am. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we look at things, amen, and we think, how is that possible? And we're looking at it through our own eyes. I'm sure John was thinking, I'm getting pretty old and I'm the last one left, amen. If this word is true, Jesus, you better come on down tonight because I don't know that I'm going to make it to tomorrow. Amen? And Jesus said, John, you don't even understand what I've told you, amen. But I'm about to show you how my word will be revealed and fulfilled. Amen. 
Now, if you go over to 2 Kings. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter four. Now it happened one day, verse eight. Second Kings chapter four, verse one, uh, verse eight. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, and where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by that he would turn in there to eat some food, and she said to her husband, "Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly." I want you to have an understanding. This woman, amen, recognized the man of God or the God inside of Elisha and says, Husband, let me say this. Let me pause, time out. Guys, women, you can just sit there and paint your nails, whatever, for just a second. Guys, as much as you don't want to, and as much as you think shouldn't listen to your wife. Adam, this pains me to say, believe me. Now, <laughs> listen to them, all right? I, I have to say that more times than not, Marcy is right. I hate to admit this. All right? Listen to your wife sometimes. All right? All right. Let's, let's get back. I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm just, okay. And she said to her husband, look now. I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make us. Now, see, let me stop here for just a second. Marcy would recognize something like that. And she'd say, you know, that's a man of God or a woman of God. That's God speaking. Build him a house. I said, you're crazy. I ain't got time. Ain't worth the effort. Ain't no way. All right. Back. Please let us make a small upper room. Underline upper room or highlight upper room that's important we're not going to come back we're not going to get to that today that is important upper room what does that remind you of when I say that reminds it yeah uh, uh, it reminds us of Jesus telling his disciples look I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there until you're endued with power the Bible says that they went and, and, and gathered in the upper room and they waited on the Lord. Important. And let us put a bed for him there, and a table and a chair and a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room, and he laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he, said, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. Elisha called Gehazi and says, you know what? This woman has showed us hospitality. She's given us a place to come in, a place that we can, uh, when we pass through this area, we have a place to call home. We can go. She'll fix us meals. She takes care of us. I want you to go, and I want you to ask that woman, what does she want me to do on her behalf? Would you like for me to talk to the king for you? Would you like for me to talk to the commander of the army for you? Are you having problems? Are they charging you too much taxes? Or do you need a favor from the king? And the woman says, I'm good. I'm good. 
I'm good. Verse 420, she answered and says, I dwell among my own people. All is well. I'm safe. I'm secure. I've got a husband. I've got, I, I got everything I need. I'm good. So he, he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then, and then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Don't, don't kid me. Don't, don't jest with me about this. This is too important. This is too near to my heart. This is something I didn't even ask you for. I didn't even ask for this. This, is, this has been a, a, an issue with me for a very long time. I have no son. And I've left, I, I've dealt with it and I'm good with it. And all's well. Don't, don't, don't play with me like that. Don't tease me like that. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come when Elisha had told her, God has a way of getting your needs met. Amen. I assure you that everyone in this place today has a need or a concern that has just seemed to slip by and you've got to the point where I guess I guess it's just not going to, I don't know, I, I, but I'm good. All's well. I'm in a good place. Nothing wrong. Everything's fine and I'm all good. But God has a way of getting your need met. It was God that knew that woman desired a child. It was God that knew that that woman really, really desired. But, but time had passed. Why speak of it now? Why speak of it now? But Elisha said, you know what? All right. This time next year, you're going to have a, you're going to have a baby boy. Amen. And the child grew. Verse 18. Now it happened one day that he went out uh, to, uh, to his father and to the reapers. Then he said to, my uh, to his father, my head, my head. So he said to the servant, carry him to his mother. Most people believe they were out in the field working and he had a heat stroke out there in the field. And if every, anybody's ever dealt with heat, stro heat stroke or anything like that, that's a serious, serious deal. It will kill you. Heat stroke will kill you. And I can tell you from experience that you can feel it when it begins to hit you. When you're up in an attic and it's 130, 140 degrees, and especially as your body starts to age, heat stroke will take you out. All right? You might not make it down out of the attic if you don't move quickly when the signs hit you. It's a very serious deal. And this boy was out there in the field, and that's what most people think happened to him, that he had a heat stroke. And the Bible says that, uh, listen, I'm going to tell you what. Let me, let me say this. God's word will not return void unto him, but I tell you what. The enemy is out there to destroy everything that he can. That God's word, that's what he's doing. It's what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. The sa Satan is trying to, to destroy the word of God and uh, disavow the word of God and trying to prevent the word of God from actually taking place. Amen. He's tried it over and over and over. And he even, I believe this is an attack of the enemy here where God's words, God promised come to this woman. And the next thing that happens is this child's up and, uh, you know, has grown a little bit. He goes out to the fields and now this child's had a heat stroke. And we're going to see that this child just passes away. Amen. This child, uh, there's nothing that they can do. They did everything they could do, they, that they could do for this child. And this child passed away. It says, when they had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees uh, till noon and then died. And she <coughs> went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. I want you to hear what the word is speaking. 
That woman had prepared a place for the man of God on that, uh, in that upper room. She didn't realize it never dawned on her that one day she would be taking that child of hers, that little boy, and placing that boy up there on, the, on that bed of the man of God that she had her husband build for that man. Amen. But when the time came and the, and the, and the tribulation hit the door, amen, she knew exactly what to do. She took that little boy, took him up there, put him on Elisha's bed, amen, laid him there. And then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God, uh, may run to the man of God and come back. And he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well, amen. It is well. Listen, Please just do what I ask you to do and don't ask any questions and just go and do it. And she says, look, it's all good. She's got a dead child laying up there on Elisha's bed. And she says, I want you to give me a donkey and a servant. Amen. I'm going after the man of God. And why are you doing that? Well, don't you worry about it. Amen. It's all good. Amen. It is well. Amen. And then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. She's saying, look, I want you to ride that thing as hard as you can ride it and as fast as we can go. And I don't want you to slow down for nothing unless I tell you to slow down. Amen. But you just run that donkey just as fast and as hard to the man of God. Amen. Listen, sometimes you got to lay down every weight. Amen. And run just as fast as you can to the arms of a loving Savior. Amen. And not let anything get in your way. Amen. Don't let the way you feel or what you're thinking or somebody else. But run just as fast and as hard as you can to the arms of Jesus. Amen. And tell him what's going on. Amen. She didn't tell anybody what was happening. Amen. Till she got to the man of God. Amen. She didn't tell the servant. Gehazi goes out to meet her. She says look just take me to Elisha. All is well. Amen. Put me back in front of the man of God. You understand what I'm telling you this morning. I ain't got to. Gehazi I like you and you're a good boy. Amen. But get out of my way. Amen. You understand what I'm saying. Sometimes people come with a good attitude and the right spirit, amen, but they're not the person you're supposed to be talking to at the time. Please step aside. I'm coming to the king. I'm going to the man of God. I don't care who you are or what you are. I've got to get to the feet of Jesus. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now, meet, uh, meet her, and um, say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. It's all good. Now take me to the man of God. And she came to the man of God at the hill. She caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, I did not ask a son of my Lord. Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready. Mm. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. But the mom said, look, hey, that sounds good and that sounds promising. Amen. But that's not what I'm here for this morning. Amen. I didn't come all this way, all this fast. Amen. To to have your servant come and lay a staff on my child. Amen. I understand that that might be 
uh, what you want to do, amen. But I need more, amen, this morning. I need more this morning. I need more than just somebody standing behind a pulpit speaking the word of God. I need more than just a servant, amen, running, amen, to the situation. Today, I need you, Lord. Today, I need you, God. Today, Jesus, I need more than just somebody standing behind the pulpit holding a microphone. I need the hand of the living God. And the mother of the child says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. And when Elisha came into the house, there, the, uh, there was the child laying, on, uh, laying dead on the bed. And he went in, therefore shut the door behind the two of him and prayed to the Lord. And when he lit, went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and he stretched his hands on his hands and he stretched himself out on the child the flesh of the child became warm amen see the woman says look it's all well that your servant's going to go but you're going to go with me amen you're going with me today I'm not leaving you behind, but you're going to go with me. God has a way of getting her, his word accomplished. That what the enemy would try to destroy. That what the enemy would try to take from you today. That which the enemy would try to hinder, amen, from you today. God has a way of restoring it back unto you, amen. This same woman, I'm going to jump ahead, amen, just for time purposes. This same woman you see again, amen. Back over in chapter 8 here. Back over in chapter 8, you see this same woman, amen. You see this woman coming up on the scene again. Back, if you will, in chapter in 2 Kings chapter uh, 6, uh, you will see where the Sumerians have uh, basically uh, uh, cut off. There's famine. Look, let me read just a little bit what's happening here. Go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. You think things can't get bad? You think things can't get bad? You think because we're God's people that, hey, that we live in America and, and nothing's ever going to happen here, that nothing's... You think things can't get bad? Let's read a little bit here. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was great famine in Samaria. Great famine in Samaria. And indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of cob of dove droppings, five shekels of silver. These people were boiling donkey heads and eating dove droppings. Amen. Right there. These folks are literally starving to death. None of us here have any idea what starving feels like and the lengths that some people will go to prevent them from starving. Let's read on. And as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord does not help you, where can I find help from you? From the threshing floor or the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And as I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. But she, she has hidden her son. You think things weren't bad? You think the situation wasn't desperate? Amen. Think about that for just a second. Amen. I'm not making this up. You can read it for yourself. Does anybody else's Bible say that? Does anybody have a Bible? Yes, 
So we see that there's great famine throughout the land of Samaria. Great famine. Now, back to verse or chapter 8 real quickly. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So Elijah warned the woman, said, you need to pack your things and get out of here because there's going to be great famine in the land. Leave everything behind. Listen, I want you to have an understanding. God has a way of getting your need met this morning. Leave everything you got. Leave it behind. Get out of here. Take only what you can to save your life, your son's life, your husband's life. Take everything you can just to get out of here. Just leave now. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to make an appeal to the king of her house for her land. The same woman, amen, had recognized that the man of God passed regularly by her house. The same woman that recognized the man of God and told her husband, husband, build this man an upper room that when he comes by that he may stay here. This same woman that did it, that took care of their, 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 their eating, their cleaning, they're washing their clothes probably and everything that those two men needed as they passed by when they would come into town she would tend to their needs and care for them that same woman that Elisha had said what do you have need me do and she says I'm good but Gehazi says she needs a son that same woman, amen, that her son went out into the field and died. And Elisha, she ran after the man of God and said, I'm not leaving till you come back to my house with me, amen. And seen her son rise up off that bed that the man of God laid on has now left her home and her country and her relatives for seven years, amen, and returns home after the famine. Tell me God can't do things. Tell me God can't recognize. Tell me God doesn't know what you have need of before you have need of it. Amen. Tell me God is not Jehovah Jireh as we sang about this morning. He is our provider. He is our provision. He is the one that watches over us. He is the one that meets every need that we have in our life. Amen. He is the one that recognizes the need. You're going to have a need before you leave here today. He already knows about it and has already made provision. This woman returns home after having left all of her possessions behind for seven years. Hey, there's somebody else moved into that house by now. There's somebody else owning that thing. There's somebody driving your car that you left behind. Amen. Wearing your clothes. Right? Somebody says, that's my house now. That house is empty. It's been sitting empty seven years. Amen. I'm going to move into that. I'm going to take ownership of that. The enemy wants nothing more than to take ownership of your authority, of your blessing. The enemy wants to take ownership. Do you understand that the enemy took ownership of the earth? Do you understand that when he went, when Jesus was in the wilderness after those 40 days and the devil came and tempted him and the, and the devil, Satan, told him, all these kingdoms I'll give unto you. Jesus did, listen, how can you give something that somebody already owns? How can you tell me you're going to give me this shirt if I'm wearing it? You understand what I'm saying? If you came and said, I'm going to give you that shirt you're wearing, I'm going to look at you and say, well, bless your heart. This one right here. This one has been in my closet for years now. You're going to give this to me. Well, ain't you special? You understand what I'm saying? 
Satan comes and says, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus didn't tell him, I already own them. How can you give me something that's already mine? He took ownership of this earth, and he wants to take ownership of your blessing. He wants to take ownership of your authority. Get back real quickly. I see a bunch of tired faces. I did get a fair warning. Seven years passed by. This woman returns home. Verse 4, Then the king talked to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. The king says, Hey, servant of the man of God, come in here and tell me now all the great things that this man of God has done. You talk about a divine appointment. You want to talk about a divine appointment? Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and her land. At the same time, at the same time that this woman returns and is knocking on the king's door and, and says, talking to the tax assessor, I want my house back. That's my house. I want my possessions back. Those are my possessions. Well, I'm sorry, woman, but some, somebody's, you know, lady, somebody's already living there. Somebody's wearing your clothes. Somebody's driving your car. Somebody's eating your food. It's already somebody else's. And at the same time, the king's going to Gehazi say, tell me all the great things of the man of God. And Gehazi, at the same time, this woman's over here knocking on the door. Gehazi's telling the king, hey, king, uh, there was a woman, a Shunammite woman back there. And, and Elisha raised her son that was dead. At the same time, these conversations are going on simultaneously. Amen, if you will. And, and he says, uh, and he says, uh, uh, it says, uh, Back in verse 5, now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life. There was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, this is the woman I've been telling you about. Look right here. This is, this is the lady I was telling you. I was just telling you this about this woman's son. That's her right there. This is her. Amen. And this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. This is the woman and this is her child right here. Amen. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Amen. God says don't just give her back her house and her land, but everything that the land produced. Amen. All the profit, all the goods. Amen. Everything that was during that time, you give it back to that woman right now. Tell me God can't get your need met. Tell me God's not able. There are so many things in that story alone, amen. Talking about divine appointments, hearing from the word of God, listening to the voice of God, amen. Obeying the word of God, amen. Not being distracted by anything else. Amen. Being dead set. Amen. Upon the word of God. There are so many things right there. And that illustration. Amen. God is good and God has a way this morning. Over in Philippians. This woman knew scripture before the scripture was written. Amen. Over in Philippians uh, chapter 4 verse 19 and says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. This woman recognized the word of God for before yet the word had been spoken. Amen. She knew that God could meet the need no matter what it was and she would not be deterred by anything. Anything. She was not let anything hinder her. And God bless that woman. God has a way. I'm getting ready to close. I know a lot of people saying, thank God. But I want you to understand this morning that God has a way. God has a way. God's word is alive. It is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Amen. Put things in order. Put things in order. Put things in order. You will see time after time after time. I'm not talking, I'm not trying to step on Mariah. Uh, I'm not talking about law. I'm not talking about any, I'm talking about order. There's a certain order of things. God has a certain order of things. There's a time and a purpose for everything under the sun. God has order in everything that He does. And when the Holy Spirit is moving, that's God's order. But when the Holy Spirit is moving, that means we don't quench the Spirit. We're getting out of order. If we try to force the Spirit, we're getting out of order. There's an order to everything God does. John waited 60 years, roughly, for the fulfillment of what Jesus, and he had no, I can't imagine John understood for 60 years, scratching his head. I'm the last one. Jesus must have missed it when he told us that. No, he didn't. Understand God has a way this morning. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in the world, God has a way. Seven-year famine. Seven-year famine. Moms were boiling children to eat. That's a bad famine. That's a, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, not, that's a bad famine, right? God has a way of restoring. Amen. Amen.